Me too. It's going to be great. Well, praise God. Let's pray. Father, hallelujah. It's another great day on planet Earth. We are born again. <laughs> we are born from above. We're in the world, but we are not of it. Citizens, as we've been hearing, of heaven, citizens of another realm, the highest realm. Father, we've come to learn to be equipped to take a step forward today in the plan, the mission, in being prepared. And part of the plan is being prepared. Uh, part of the plan is what we'll walk out today and accomplish today, who we'll bless today, what we'll pray, what we'll say, what we'll decree, what we'll receive, what we'll serve and do. But Father God, part of the plan today is to prepare for the greater thing that is to come tomorrow. And so, Lord, we decide again today, we recognize once more what James told us, that there is a necessity in hearing, and there's, we're blessed because we hear, but the real actualization, the experience of the blessing will not be accomplished in our life until we become doers of the word. So we decide already again today, I'm a doer. Is that right? Are you a doer? I am a doer of the word. It may be new, it may be challenging, it may be painful, but it's a joy for us to be a doer of the word because every time we do the word, we are like God. We are acting like God. And when we are like God, when we act like God, we'll get to live like Him, experience Him, live on His plane. And oh, how people around us need to see God. What a humbling and humbling fact it is to know that someone out there today, we may be the only Jesus they see. Oh, we're not Him, but He's in us. So, Father, this is an important day, an important moment. And so help us, Father, to get it all. Help us to get it all. All that you've had helped me, Father, help my wife to, to say it, to say it all, to say it completely, to put handles on it so that the students can grab hold of it. Father, help them to do their part. They're anointed for their part, to respond, to pull, to receive, uh, and to be forever changed by what's ministered this Tuesday morning. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, you could be seated today. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Glory. Well, let's turn back over in our Bibles today to the book of Matthew chapter 7. And thank you for doing your homework. That was awesome. I've got a multi-page document in there of things that I'm going to get to feed on, glean on, learn from. I really appreciate that. And don't forget that you could um, submit your question uh, anonymously to Sister Jessica, I believe. Uh, she's sworn an oath that she won't read it and get those to me. And uh, when we're led as we have room, we may open it up for a few minutes to you can ask an open question. And don't be shy. You're not going to make uh, me blush. You might make my wife blush, but you won't make me blush. And uh, praise God. But we would love, our heart is to, uh, is to do everything we can to be a blessing to you. Amen. And I always say, if you see any good in us, you've seen the God in us. Right? And uh, so praise God. Give me a moment to just uh, catch up with you. We're going to Matthew, aren't we? Well, you know, as ministers learn this, you know, you can have a plan. It's good to be prepared. And then there is the Holy Ghost, right? And I heard someone say to ministers, when you're preparing outside the pulpit to come into the pulpit, you prepare like there is no Holy Ghost, like it's all on you, right? You better be prepared. But then when you step to the pulpit, you act like there is nothing but the Holy Ghost, only Him. And I think that's a great way. And uh, it's fine. I've, I've just learned over the years. I don't, I don't have, I'm not batting a thousand, but I'm getting closer and closer all the time. And when I have something rolling around in my heart that's sort of dominant, and, and I'm not trying to set an agenda, um, but it's just there and won't go away, I've just learned there's something to that. The leadings of the Spirit can be very, very subtle, very easy to override. Amen. But more uh, often than not, <clears throat> it's just proven out. And so, uh, 
praise God. What I had rolling around in me to, to get out for my part in this first session is to talk to you about wholeness, about being whole. And uh, so praise God. Um, and uh, should the Lord uh, desire that, need that, want that, uh, if there's some ministry that needs to happen, praise God to help us be whole. Are you open to that? We're open to that. Uh, amen. You know, uh, when we, uh, all of us as, as kids, and, and most of us are going to have this, especially the girls, right? But I, I did too. You know, I, I told you yesterday how I dreamed about the day that would come where I would get married. And I dreamed about having family, and it's exceedingly abundantly, you know, all that I dreamed it would be uh, up to this point. It's just wonderful. You know, God's a smart guy. He's a smart God, right? And when he designed family and said, ah, oh, this dynamic, this is where they're going to thrive. This is where they're going to be the happiest. Well, he, he, he knew what he was doing. Uh, amen. It's just so sad to see how far humans have drifted away from, you know, God's ideal and how much damage can be done in family, right? Uh, you know, I, there's no pain like family pain. Isn't that right? And uh, the devil's a mean devil. But, uh, you know, I would say, you know, like they say about money, I don't throw away bills because there's counterfeits out there. You know, I'm not afraid of the counterfeit. They, the counterfeit is proof of the real. My wife worked in banking and, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they trained her about guarding against the counterfeit, but they still dealt with money every day. <laughs> you know, that was kind of their deal. And uh, praise God, we're whatever the devil has counterfeited in family, don't, don't throw family away. Don't throw your dream away. Don't throw God's plan away. But reach, reach for the ideal. So when we were dreaming about this as kids, as young people, right, uh, nobody dreamed that, you know, if, when I was, you know, dreaming about my wonder woman, that, uh, uh, I, no, I wasn't dreaming about, oh, God, give me somebody broken. I, I want, I want... I want someone twisted. I want someone broken. Nobody, nobody did that, right? So if you want to be someone that somebody's wonder man, somebody's superman, somebody's wonder woman, you have to know they're not dreaming about somebody broken. Right? And so it's your job. It's, it's my job to become what that lady's dreaming about. Amen. Amen. Now, thank God in that we are not alone. Right. Not only are we not alone, yes, I have my part. Say, it's my job. It's my part. What is my part? It's my part to climb up on the potter's wheel and stay there. He's the pot. He's the, the potter. I'm the pot, right? I mean, I'm the clay. And it's not always fun when you're spinning. Have you ever seen them do that? Those artisans, you know, and they're poking that. And they're, they'll put a stick on it, right? And, it's, and, and you look like a lump of clay. And, and if you just took a snapshot right there, a screenshot of yourself right then, you might say, well, I don't like, the, I don't like looking this way. I don't like feeling this way. When is this going to be over? Right? But listen, isn't it right if we'll just stay there? It will just stay there. That when the master craftsman gets done with this, I promise you, you're going to like the way you look. And if you'll just not take yourself out of the hands of the Lord, when he gets done with you, you're going to like the way you look. Amen. You're going to like the way your family looks. You're going to like the way your mind looks. You're going to like the way your body and your health looks. You're going to like the way your finances look. Right? But as Brother Hagin used to tell us, there ain't no instant pudding. And that's good Oklahoma talk for country folks, right? And we love instant pudding, right? Just give it to me now. Praise God. But we know the good stuff takes a while. And when God, what God's working in your life is the good stuff. It is the good stuff. So let's read this foundation scripture again. Matthew 7, uh, verse number 24. Therefore, Jesus said, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them 
And I just can't emphasize that enough. Everywhere I go when I read that, uh, and does them, as we prayed this morning, uh, it's in the doing. Now, you can't do until you hear, and that's why hearing is so vitally important. That's why hearing is so precious. So I stood up in the balcony of my denominational church one day, been faithful there, and after that frat party experience, come to church, but there came a day where the Spirit of God spoke to me, and I stood up to, at the instruction, you know, as Methodists, you stand up, sit down, it's, it's a squat session, that's what it is, you know, and you stand up and say the Apostles' Creed, sit down, stand up and sing hymn number whatever and sit down. Well, when I stood up, I, I was in the balcony and the ceiling was higher than this probably, so I didn't hit the physical ceiling, but it seemed, I went like that because I hit an invisible ceiling, and then the Word of the Lord came to me and said, if you want all I have for you, you're going to have to let me lead you on from here. You're going to have to let me lead you on from here. Now, why was that? It wasn't because what I was hearing there was wrong. It's what I was not hearing. It's what I was not. I was not hearing who I was in Christ. I was not hearing uh, the authority of the believer. I was not hearing the baptism with the Holy Ghost. And you can't be. You can't have all God has for you if you don't hear like Dr. Jacob says, you can't have what you are not taught. It's just very unlikely that you're going to bump into it by accident. Amen. I know that's true for me. So we're not diminishing the, the importance of hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Amen. But we only hear to know what to do. We only hear to know how to think. We only hear to know what to say. And that's all in the doing. <clears throat> right? So you remember in James, we're not going there. But in James, he said uh, that don't deceive yourself. That if you hear and you don't do, he says you deceive yourself. The word deceive means to, you're deluded, you're self-deluded. Well, let's stop there. We, we have some time this morning. What, what is the deception? To, to be deceived means to believe a lie as true. It's not true, but you, you think it is. So to hear and not do, you're deceived. What's the deception? What are they believing? I'm asking. You, do you know? What do you think? What's that thing? That they're reasoning it out? Yeah, could be. Well, I think, let's, let's say, you know, you go to church, okay, like we'll do tonight, and we're going to hear the word, praise God. And uh, we may run around in celebration at it. We may shout and say amen. We may wave a hanky at it, but we leave and we don't do. James says you're deceived. What are we leaving believing that's a deception? That the hearing is enough. That's right, hon. That because I heard it, it works. Because I heard a message on healing, I'm healed. Because I heard a message on victory, that's what I'll have. That's the deception. That's the deception. It's right to hear. But you won't have what you hear until you do it. That is why if you stay in a good church like this one for very long, you're going to see the discrepancies pop up. They're all sitting under the same ministry, all hearing the same thing. Yet this one struggles and that one moves ahead. Why? It's not. They're all hearing the same thing, but they haven't taken the step of doing Doing is what separates the men from the boys. Doing is where it's at. Woo, I believe, yes, he fills my barn with plenty. He, he rebukes the devourer for my sake. I am a delightsome land. And you never give the money. You're deceived. Oh, yeah, I believe give and it shall be given unto me. Yeah, but you don't give nothing. See what I mean? This is where the deception is. Be a doer, be a doer, be a doer. Doesn't matter what teacher's before you, what you're reading, what the Lord is emphasizing to you in your personal walk with Him, be a doer. Doing guarantees your outcome, your victory. And Jesus said in this passage that He said, I will liken unto the one that hears and does, that one is wise. That one's wise. Why? Because he's building his house, his life, his family, his ministry, what his business, whatever he's doing, on the rock. On the rock. 
And we saw that the storms are going to come, but it won't fall because the foundation is right. And then Jesus said, of course, the exact opposite. He said to the one that hears, now see, they heard. They heard. They heard the sayings of Jesus. They heard the word of God, but they didn't do. They heard and they said no. They heard, they neglected. They heard they, they were deceived like James 1. They did not do. And heaven calls you a fool. And really, it's better to have never heard than to hear and not do. And there's accountability with every sermon you hear. There's accountability with every scripture you read. That's why Wigglesworth said, with every new revelation, that demands a new consecration, a new dedication. Because when light comes, you're responsible for it. When light comes, you're responsible for it. Brother Hagin said it this way. He said, it's dangerous. Everyone say dangerous. It's dangerous to come up to light and not walk in it. Why? Because when you come up to light and light comes, you're now responsible Now, don't, don't do this. I know you're not like this. Okay, well, no more light for me. No, your victory's in the light. You want the light. And eventually, you become, heaven will hold you accountable for not being interested in the light. Amen. So, good things. Well, we're not interested in building on the sand. That's not the kind of group that we're, uh, we're in front of today. We want to be people about, uh, who are building about on the rock. And the rock is, of course, as we said, a foundation. Now, when it comes to marriage and family again it's all about your foundation and we closed yesterday by reminding you that there is only one foundation right paul said i've laid the found that there is no other foundation there's no more foundational doctrine coming for christians jesus christ is our foundation amen and so praise god when it comes to choosing a mate when it comes to building your family raising kids uh Jesus has to be the foundation of it. If, it's, if he's not, it's sand. It's sand. I like it this, uh, John said it in 1 John, he said, uh, he said, whatsoever, not who, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Now it's interesting that, now we know whosoever overcomes also. He says that in other places. But in this verse, it says whatsoever. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. What business is going to overcome? The business that is born of God. What ministry is going to overcome? The ministry that was born of God. Not the church that some guy decided to start because he was offended at the last church he was at. Right? All right. What marriage then? is going to overcome the marriage that's born of God. Okay. I don't want to get onto my wife's territory there. Amen. So foundation, foundation. Well, when I come into a relationship, uh, when I met Amber, and again, I'm not going to get on her territory. I really, God was putting something together, but right then I sure wasn't qualified to marry her. Because I was broken. I was broken, all right? Remember when God dealt with me at that frat party, you know, I was saved. There's nothing wrong with my spirit, but the rest of me was pretty messed up. He said, I'm not going to deliver you from all your issues all at once, but if you'll take my hand, I'll lead you on. So it was a journey. It's a walk. It's a step-by-step uh, thing. And no matter what instantaneous deliverances, some people say they get saved, no more nicotine. They get saved and instantly delivered of alcohol. Praise God. But a lot of times... I'll, I'll find in their testimonies that there was an issue, pretty strong issue in their life that was left untouched. Amen. What is that? Well, you're going to have to do what the rest of us are doing and get on the potter's wheel. <laughs> you know, and uh, renew your mind and crucify your flesh and join the Christian club. So, so to get where God wanted me to go in marriage, I had to be qualified. And she's not dreaming about marrying somebody broken. So I had a period of time where it's my, I am focused on my foundation. And my foundation is me and Jesus. Fall in love with the foundation, not the facade. 
See, a lot of times, you know, we fall in love with the facade of a person, their persona. You know, whatever they show you in your first dates, thank God for that, but, but you're, getting, you're getting the facade. I mean, the paint hasn't even dried, you know what I mean? I mean, it's... <laughs> uh, you know, praise God, and, and you should do your best, you should. Trim your fingernails, you know? Put some gel in your hair. You know, all that. You know, you should do your best. But don't fall in love with the facade. Don't fall in love with the paint color. Fall in love with the foundation. Amen. So I don't want to take up all this time. I want to talk to you about being whole. That's what the Spirit of God kept taking me back to, being whole. And being whole is part. I don't, we don't want to have a cracked foundation, a faulty foundation, things chipping away at the foundation, uh, chunks falling off. Amen. So, so join with me. Let's go to Psalm 23. There's, there's a lot of scripture we could go to, but we'll just look at the ones that maybe will um, be the right ones, if you know what I mean by that. Psalm 23. You ever read that one? Psalm 23. You know, it's just unfortunate that Psalm 23 and most people's just a funeral thing. The 23rd Psalm, that's for living, not dying. The green pastures he wants you to lie in are down here, not just up there. Not just up there. And uh, so... Psalm 23, 1, 2, and 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want anything. Amen? I love this. He maketh me. He makes me. To lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. Now look at verse 3. He restores my soul. I'm going to try not to get emotional. He restores my soul. Now, if there's no such thing as a broken soul or a damaged soul, then there would be nothing for Jesus to restore. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not big into, I'm not, I'm not into at all, think for Christians, psychology and long therapy sessions and, you know, whatever helps people, okay. But for the Christian, amen, and I'm certainly not into what a lot of people call inner healing. However, however, what does he mean here? Words mean something in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I've taken him as my shepherd. He's my Lord. That means I'm not the boss anymore. Sheep, don't, they're not the boss. Where do they go? They go where the shepherd goes. What do they eat? They eat what the shepherd feeds them. You know? And that's how you end up in green pastures. That's how you end up not lacking anything. You know, being in charge is overrated. I found that out. Being in charge is overrated. When Jesus would, would, would like to be in charge. So... And he'll cause you to lie down in green pastures. He'll make you walk beside the still waters. Amen? What else will he do? He will restore your soul. Now, we know that man is a three-part being. Man is a spirit. He has or possesses a soul. And he lives in a body of earth and clay. Amen? And so we who are born again, we are perfect in spirit. The Holy Ghost came in. He recreated our spirits. Our spirits are alive unto God. Now our spirits need food. Our spirits need nourishment. The Bible says the strong spirit of a man sustains him in sickness. So if you can have a strong spirit, you can have a weak one. Amen. But it'll never be more righteous. It'll never carry more authority. It'll never be more holy. You're perfect in your spirit because he's in there. Amen. But the job of the newly born again person is to now deal with their soul and their body, of course. Amen. And so, praise God, when, the, the way you're going to have heaven in your home, heaven in your marriage, heaven in your family, is that you have a restored soul. That you're not broken in your soul. Amen. Your soul is made up of what? Your mind, your will, 
and your emotions. Now your will, that's the seed of decision making. Now why did God put the will in the soul instead of the spirit? Could I not make my own choice if he put my will in my spirit? I think so, but there's a difference. You're on to it. You're on to it. The mind and the will, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, you're, you're leaning the most where I'm thinking. If God put the will in your spirit and the Holy Spirit is in your spirit, he's always sight, you're always perfect, you're always going the right way. So that little element would make you a robot. You, would, you wouldn't have the capacity to do wrong. You wouldn't have the capacity to choose a different path because the Holy Spirit's in your spirit. And if your will was in your spirit, the reason he put the will in your soul is that's the only way you can really exercise free will apart from divine influence. I hope I didn't confuse you there. Amen. He, he didn't want a programmed, pre-programmed responses. I love you, Jesus, you know. He wants real capacity. He wants real relationships. So he gave you a mind. He gave you, the soul is your seat of your personality. The things that makes you just wholly unique in who you are. And uh, mixed with your spirit, intimate, whatever. Don't want to get too in the weeds on that. But he puts your will there. Amen. Well, our will, a lot of us, we, we saw in our parents and our upbringing all that we saw a will out of control we saw the seed of decisions that were bent wrong and, and our will needs to be retrained you know at times our minds must be renewed and then the soul is also the seed of our emotions uh, as well and God wants to restore uh, our soul now to, to have a foundation that's right and I'm not broken what are you going to have to do well you're going to have to deal with your issues There's no other way to be whole than you're going to have to deal with your issues. And you hear, every time I say something like that, you hear, I'm cooperating with God and he's, He helps me win over my issues. But we have to cooperate. We have to, we have to cooperate in this process. Amen? And so just to say some things to you here, because my issues, amen, are not yours. I can tell you about mine. Amen? But, uh, and some of you would identify. Uh, we're all human, we, we share certain things. But your issues are going to be sort of unique to you. Amen. For me, I told you, when my parents got divorced, it just broke me on the inside. I became a twisted person. And the root, uh, the root of my wrong on the inside of my soul became insecurity. Now, I tell you what, most humans deal with various degrees of insecurity. But when, if you get a moderate or extreme case of insecurity, you are toxic. Doesn't mean you're not lovable, doesn't mean you're not loved, doesn't mean you don't have a future, but it means you're toxic. Now, uh, we like Fiji water, I like Fiji water, and they say untouched by man until you touch it. You know, that's what it says on the bottle, I don't know if that's true. Amen. But if I took just a, just a, mean, a, a mini drop of strychnine and dropped that in there and then handed it to you, do you want it? Well, come on, it's 99.9%. But that one little element that was added to it makes it something you don't want. And you have richness in you, value in you, you have divine purpose in you, but... With enough drops of insecurity, enough drops of rage, enough drops of uh, resentment and anger, uh, you know, things like that, uh, perversion, whatever your issue is, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to join myself to a lifelong covenant of that. So what makes something toxic? Well, I mean, you add, you add something to it, it contaminates whatever it touches. And so, so we're not adding, if we're broken, if I'm broken and I join myself to her, then I'm toxic to this relationship. And then kids come along and now I still haven't dealt with my issues and I'm toxic. 
to my kids. So how do you deal with insecurity? You know, insecurity shows up in all kinds of ways. I'm fat. I'm ugly. No one loves me. You know, you just don't feel right about yourself. And so you pour this in there, and that doesn't do it. And you pour that in there, and you, you, that doesn't do it. And you say, well, let's drink it away, and that doesn't work. Let's relationship it away, and that doesn't do it. And let's, okay, well, I need a nicer car. That doesn't do it. And, and you, you go on and on. You experience enough. You attain enough. You pour enough in, and it, you're still looking at a bottomless pit. Then you get really empty feeling and frustrated feeling. And it's no fun to feel like that. Amen. And then the precious souls that are around you, your mom and your dad and your pastor and your, your spouse, if you have one, they're trying. To, but it's just never enough. They can't compliment you enough, pray for you enough, whatever. Really, the, the fix for insecurity is in Christ. The fix for most of our issues is the in Christ revelation. Amen. If any man be, in, and I had to learn this. I had to learn this. I had been pitched aside. I had been tossed to and fro. And, and, then, and, then, and then my life got pretty good for a lot of years. But that event way back there, I never dealt with it. I never put it to bed. I never buried that thing. I never fixed it. I didn't know how. So that's the one thing about it. Time can go and time can go and you can be 55, 60 and still just, I mean, a broken little kid on the inside. Amen. But I tell you what, when I began to, if any man, if, if Chris is, because Chris is in Christ, I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have been made new. Man, I, I started reading about Paul. Paul's one of my real heroes of the Bible. And uh, Paul was a killer. He was. He was a killer. He was a murderer. He was a persecutor of Christians. He did a lot of really bad things. He broke up families. I mean, he, he stood there and held the coat of people as he endorsed the martyrdom, uh, the martyring of Stephen. And uh, he did bad things. And I'm reading along my Bible one day. I think it's in Galatians. Uh, I think it's in there. And he said, uh, I have wronged no man. Y'all ever read that? Paul, he said, I have wronged no man. And I went, whoa, 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 wait, hold up. Now, I know he's got a, he's confident, but I mean, man, that's, that is out there to say. I can hear Stephen in the grandstands of heaven saying, hey, what about me? What about me? I'm a good candidate. And the Holy Ghost, that, that, that scripture's in the canon of the scripture. That means it's God breathed. The Holy Ghost allowed him, inspired him to write those words. Can you all tell me, did he lie? I have wronged no man. Then how could it be true? How is that scripture true? I'm waiting for you to tell me. Because he is a new man. He is a new man. Saul... Who killed Stephen is dead. Dead. <laughs> Paul, amen, had wronged no man. Glory to God. So when he said, I was crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. And the life I live now, amen, I don't live unto myself. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One translation said, the life I now live is just simply Christ living in my body. Amen. So we've got to get a revelation. I had to get a revelation that the guy, the young man who experienced all that trauma and the young man who did all those horrible things is dead and gone. He's dead and buried. And you read scriptures like God casts our sin. He separates us from our sin. As far as the east is from the west. I mean, if you set out here and go east and you keep going, you will never, ever meet west. You can travel east for a billion years. You will never start going west. That's how far he has separated you from your sin. Amen. 
when God leads me, I'm happy to share. If, if the Spirit knows that if I actually told what I did, if I said what I went through and, and gave all the details, you know what, I'm, I'm happy to do it. It doesn't bother me to do it. And if I just say, say it and I just smile all the way, don't you think that I don't, but I don't feel bad anymore. I don't, and I don't need to go and have three days of therapy after I give my testimony. Because Proverbs 10, 7 says, He blessed my memory. He said, the memory of the just is blessed. He blessed my memory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? What does it mean to bless your memory? Well, all of the trauma, some of the things that I went through, so horrific, uh, to me anyway, uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, you can remember all that, all the detail, and I do, and I can tell it, but all of the emotion and the hurt and the pain that used to be associated with those thoughts and memories is not there. Now, why wouldn't God wipe my memory? Why wouldn't God just wipe your memory? He wants your testimony. He wants your testimony. Yeah, but He doesn't want you to need therapy after you give it. Right? So He removes the stain. He removes the pain. He removes the hurt. That's Proverbs 10, 7. It says He'll bless your memory. Now when Dean Graves start giving you tests for this course, right, or whatever, you can also apply that to, hey, I studied, I learned, and my, I'm sharp, I'm quick. God bless my memory. There's a lot of different ways you could use that scripture. Uh, amen. Let's go to Philippians real quick, Philippians chapter 3. I know I'm keeping it kind of general, but... To be whole, you're going to have to discover who you are in Christ and believe it. Believe it. You know, some of these kids, I told you about this large family that's coming. And it's like talking to a stone to some of them. They've just refused to open up their heart to believe yet that, uh, that what the Bible says about them so plainly is true in their life. Because to them, it sure doesn't look like it. And to them, it sure doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Well, they need to walk by faith. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They do. And they will if they don't quit. But they don't see it yet. Because they're still drowning in the soulish part. Amen? You know, we need to have compassion. We need to have compassion. When you look at someone, why don't they just get it? Why do they keep stumbling over the same thing? Why don't they just move ahead? Well, they should. And they will if they don't quit. But just remember, you, they may not have just told you everything that they've been through. Right? And before we get critical, I mean, if you were in their shoes, they might be doing 25 times better than what you would be doing had you been in their shoes. The Bible says that we who think we stand, we should take heed lest we fall. And that when someone has fallen, Galatians, Paul said in Galatians that we who are spiritual... I go to World Harvest, you know. Uh, we, we who are spiritual, that we should restore the broken one. How? In meekness, in a spirit of meekness, in a spirit of humility, lest a similar thing come on you. So we should be reminded that how we treat the broken, we could be setting ourselves up for a test ourselves by the mercy or lack thereof, the compassion and the lack thereof that we show folks. Yeah. Amen? Philippians chapter 3. You know, one of the things that Paul reveals to us is that he had learned uh, what to do with his past. To have a solid foundation, to be whole, to be that... Holy Ghost candidate to be the one that God fulfills the prayer of another. You know, that, that, that 
single one or whatever, or you're, maybe you're married, and, but you're still broken. Well, you need to fix thyself, you know, you know, whatever. You need to get with the Lord and, and cooperate in these things and be the best. They deserve not a broken you. They deserve the best you. And the best you is the Jesus you. The one that he makes. And uh, you know this scripture, but here in Philippians chapter uh, 3, and let me begin uh, in verse 9, it says, And be found in him, that's his desire, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I might know him, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, so forth and so on. And, uh, you know, skip down to verse 13. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Uh, other translations will say, have attained. What he's saying is, I don't consider myself to have arrived at the goal. What is the goal? Christ-like perfection. The full measure of the stature of Christ. Being like Him. Being fully conformed into His image. Well, if He, the great apostle in this life, would not say of Himself, I have attained the goal. I'm sure not. <laughs> I don't know how you're thinking but I'm sure not. And he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended or to obtain the goal except or but this one thing. See, you have to read this right. You know, in the grammar, break it down. He's saying, I haven't apprehended. I don't have it all together, but I have figured out one thing. One thing I do, one thing I am certain I've gotten good at and I have figured out. What is it? Forgetting what lies behind and pressing on to the thing that lies ahead. Paul said, one thing I've gotten down, I have, I have figured this out. I have learned what to do with my past. And a step toward wholeness is knowing what to do with your past. And that's forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Put it behind you. And, and focus on the new man in Christ. Focus on the new man in Christ. One of the ways that I got suicidal was I was in such grief over a relationship that didn't work out that I, I thought I wanted. I did want, right? And, uh, and so, before the break, we'll work this in. This, this is... Um, how I got there. I wasn't in that relationship anymore. I had my whole life ahead of me. I just graduated from high school. I'm enrolled at OU. I got a whole, but I can't see any of that. I don't see myself having fun at games. I don't see myself enjoying my new school. I don't, I don't see myself enjoying this new chapter. My entire waking moments were filled with this. How come? Oh, woe is me. What could I do? How could I change it? Is there anything? Oh, and I just, all the time, I'd, I'd stay in my room and cry. I'd, I'd pull the dark you know, the shades down. And if I left, I went and got drunk. Uh, and I just acted reckless because I didn't care. I didn't care because I didn't get what I wanted. It's just pathetic. But anyway, that's the way I was. Amen. And uh, so the way God got me out of that, I didn't know Proverbs 10, verse 7. I didn't know what I know today. I'm green, green, green to spiritual things. And, uh, but I heard God say to me, he said, son, I forbid you to thank her name. Think about the scripture, forgetting the things that lie behind. And you might, have, you might as well have told a heroin addict to go cold turkey. That's what, I mean, you know, a three-pack a guy and just go, no more, I'm done. You know, I just... That's the way I felt. And he said, I want you to look up Proverbs 10, 7. I want you to stand on it. Believe me to do it. And I forbid you to think her name. And I, I'm alone. I don't have any Christian friends. I go to church, but I'm, I'm isolated in that even. And I, I'm just by myself. And I mean to go 60 seconds, sister, without thinking this girl's name was a fight. I didn't know there was a world. I didn't know there was a newspaper or anything else to think about. I was so wrapped up in my own mess.
So to fast forward, you know, so I got to where I could do 10 minutes. And you want to talk about, I mean, sweating kind of fighting not to do that. And then fast forward, I got to where a whole day went by. And you know, I started to notice the grass seemed a little greener. And the sky seemed a little bluer. And I found myself outside my room for minutes of the day. And then before long, two weeks went by. Then before long, six months had gone by. Since the beginning, but six months had gone by. In that time, God had told me to move home. I was a, you know, college, you know, party guy, and I moved home. He said, move home with your mommy and get rid of your friends. So I had moved home, and uh, I had met her. First date, March. I'll let her tell it. Uh, I think this is our second or third date, so it's real new. I'm having a date with her that day. So things are coming up now. And uh, I have a knock on my door. I'm the only one there. I open the door. And to my surprise, it is this girl's mother. And she was surprised to see me. And what she was doing there, she was there. She didn't want me and our family, because we were all very close, to hear the news that they had from anybody else. Now, this girl was actually sitting in the car, and she was hiding out there. She sure wasn't coming to the door until she knew that I wasn't there, which, of course, I was. And uh, so she had come to tell my mom to tell me that she had gotten engaged. And, uh, yeah. And uh, so this is what I found myself doing in that moment. I said, really? She's in the car? She goes, yeah, she's right over there. And I found myself going over there, opening up the door. I pulled her out of there. I looked at her ring, congratulated her, hugged her, put her back in, shut the door, and sent them on their way. Oh, that's not the best part. That's not the best part. So I walk in, and this is a big, solid, heavy door, my front door, and I, they're, they're gone out of my life forever. And uh, I, I shut the door behind me, I took a breath, and I smiled, and I said, I'm over it. I'm over it. <laughs> I'm over it. And I went on and had a date. Now here's the thing. I, I, with the Lord, see I'm cooperating with the Lord. It was not easy for me to do that. And I know to y'all that's probably the pathetic thing, the most whatever, but to me it was a big deal. And, uh, you know, I cooperated with the Lord as a baby Christian. And I reclaimed a huge part of myself, right, by fighting that fight and doing what God said, I forbid you to think her name. He was helping me forget those things that lie behind and press on. And I went on, had a good date and married her. Amen. And after 25 years this coming January, found out if she is a hundredfold, infinitely above and beyond I ever. You know, and I'll, we'll close with this for the break today. Brother Hagin said this, you know the thing you cry about today, you laugh about tomorrow. Right? The thing you cry about today, you laugh about tomorrow. Amen? Wholeness is worth it. It's worth it to you. God wants it for you. But it's really only the condition. It's, wholeness is the only condition acceptable to God for Him to feel good about actively bringing you into the life of somebody else. And so if you're believing for a mate, are you whole? Amen? Are you, are you the kind of person that God says... I'm excited to bring that one into my son's life, into my daughter's life. If you're not that today, listen, don't think yourself unworthy. You are. You just got to get some junk out of the way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray before we take a break. Father, Lord, I, I know of this of myself. I... You know, they said of Jesus, physician, heal thyself. 
I didn't know spiritual things, Father, at that time. But I had you in me. I had you in me. And you knew the Bible. You wrote it. And you gave me one scripture. And it helped me. And in that, that winning that battle, you showed me how and you helped me do it. Father, it seems to me that there's got to be at least somebody here today that is in some sort of battle for wholeness themselves. And sometimes, God, I, I, I remember, you don't know what's wrong. You don't, you don't know. Father, I thank you for helping them diagnose that you, Spirit of God, maybe they don't even know what their issue is. But that Spirit of God, you are, Jesus, you're our physician. And you could just diagnose us and just, just put your loving finger, and just touch that sensitive area and say, here it is right here, sweetheart. Here it is. And I'm here to heal you. I'm here to restore your soul. Jesus, you said in Luke 4.18 that there is an anointing on you to bind up brokenhearted if there is if there can't be anything as a broken heart then why is there an anointing to mend the broken heart so I make a demand right now on that anointing to remove the burden to destroy the yoke of the root and the effects of brokenness in our souls today Jesus make us whole by faith, we receive it. We receive it. Do you receive it today? We receive the ministry of Jesus that mends our broken heart. And we just, now we know we have to do the right thing with our thoughts. The right thing with our thought life. So we thank you, Father, that we'll be like Paul. If we get anything figured out, we'll, we'll figure out what he did. Forgetting those things that lie behind. And pressing on to the things that lie ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Do you believe it? Yes. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. My wife will be up. <laughs>